2: You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast. Back to full.
1: Red Sox fans have long to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions.
2: Part of the Over the Monster Network. Swinging a high
1: deed, driving a right field. That one's called to the right. Hunter on the move, racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz.
2: Presented by SB Nation
1: at Fenwick Park for 95 years, the Red Sox are world champions.
2: Hosted by Jake Devereaux.
1: Here comes a 1-2 pitch. Red Sox win the World Series.
2: And featuring Keaton DeRocher.
1: strikeouts in 2017 for Chris Sale, an absolute strikeout machine, 13 tonight against the Baltimore Orioles. They're all loaded. High fly ball, deep in the left center field, Get out way it. back it carries, and that hey. ball is gone! The Red Sox walk it off, in style! That's how it's done. The X-Man Strikes ball to deep left center field. Devers has hit it out! The rookie takes Chapman the other way to tie the game!
3: Welcome back to the Over the Monster podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Um, Keaton, welcome back to the show. Three weeks in a row here for us.
4: Yeah, we're on fire. Killing her.
3: Yeah, and for once, the fan in my room is not blowing directly on my head, so I'm not going to be shivering during this podcast, so that's good.
4: You've had your fan on during the winter wintertime? Uh, you know, it's like... It's not exactly
3: a fan, but like it's the above the heat, the heat from above. But when it's like warming up, it doesn't always blow hot air on me. Um, And sometimes it's really uncomfortable. No. Yeah. So I've got that going for me today. Uh, On today's show, I'll give you a rundown. We are going to talk about some transactions by the Red Sox, pretty minor ones. So we won't spend a ton of time on those. But then we'll get into the fun stuff. We've made a Mookie Betts trade wheel where Keaton will, Keaton and I will alternate spinning the wheel and trying to come up with packages for prospective teams. And then each of us has also come up with three New Year's resolutions for the Red Sox. And then listener questions, like usual. So let's get right to it then. Um, the first bit of news happened since our last podcast. The Red Sox claimed... Chris Mazza off waivers from the Mets. Uh, Mazza is a 30-year-old right-handed reliever or likely reliever. And Matt did a little write-up about him. And here's what he said. He said, throughout his career in the minors, he mostly pitched as a starter, generally posting low strikeout rates with solid walk numbers and a lot of ground balls. Mazza is a sinker, cutter, slider pitcher. um, And he says he doesn't really look like his stuff will play up in shorter stints. But perhaps the Red Sox see something they could tweak to make him a viable major leaguer. Um, Keaton, I didn't find this move very interesting at all. I almost thought about not even mentioning it because it was so uninteresting. But do you see
4: anything in Maza that you like? Or is this just, I don't know, what is this? No, I mean, with the bullpen right now, I'm just of the mind that any help is good help. And... They have a ton of guys that are just going to be shots in the dark and hope they work out. And this just feels like another one. So, hopefully it works out. Yeah, I mean,
3: more arms isn't a bad thing. The thing is, I I kind of expect that a whole mess of these guys are going to show up to spring training and be weeded out relatively quickly. Um, I think there's still a lot of fat on this 40-man roster. But what this move does is it it does push the 40-man roster to 40 men. So, it is... It's full now.
4: Yeah. Which uh, makes a trade of Price and or Mookie a little bit more interesting with the corresponding moves that would go with it. But, I mean, like you said, there's a ton of fat there that's on the roster. So, I mean, it's not like it would preclude them from doing it or like kind of like change their mind on a trade because they're 40 man's full. There's plenty of stuff they can cut that would just not be a loss to the team.
3: Yeah, there's probably 10 of these guys I could say goodbye to and not really lose any sleep over it. Yeah, for sure.
4: Um,
3: all right, so they also did another thing. They assigned eight players to minor league deals with spring training invites. Those players are Nick Longhi, uh Jeff Bandy, uh, Mike Kickham, John Andrioli, RJ Alvarez, Jansen Whitty, Domingo Tapia, Robinson Lair. Uh, if a few of those names sound familiar, it's because a couple of them are former Red Sox and Longie and Janssen Witte. Uh, I think one of the other ones might have, Liar, might have spent some time in the Red Sox system as well. Uh, Andreoli is notable because he went to my high school, St. John's of Shrewsbury, um, and has kind of bounced around the major leagues a little bit. Um, but to any of these eight guys who they extended these uh, minor league deals with spring training invites to, Um, strike you as particularly interesting or
4: any of them that you think could be helpful to the team? I don't know. Um, Longy is the most interesting Um, and I I find it interesting that they brought him back. I feel like all of these are dart throws but his might be the most likely to come through. Um, But I don't think really any of them move the needle much for me at all. The Jet Bandy one is also a little bit interesting just because the Red Sox... uh, I'm not sure how sold they are on a backup catcher behind Vasquez. I mean, I think it's pretty clear Vasquez is the number one, but um, after that, I'm not sure that they're really sold, so maybe that's where they went adding Bandy just for funsies to see if it works. But I don't know. I don't really see much here at all.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot here. Uh, that's why they got minor league invites. Um, I read it as Jeff, but it is Jet. I can't believe that there's actually a human named Jet. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Jet Bandy is kind of interesting because the Red Sox lack so much depth at catcher. It kind of makes sense to add another guy here and see if he can, you know, be. Someone who sticks in the minor leagues for them. Andreoli is interesting, not just because he went to my high school, but because um, he can play all three outfield positions. And, you know, he's played in the WBC. And he's he's had a bunch of interesting experience. And the Red Sox just don't have a whole lot in my, major, major or minor league depth at outfield. So just having a guy who's played... Multiple positions at the major leagues in the outfield I think is interesting. And, you know, it's pretty cool that he's playing for his hometown team now or at least has the opportunity to. So if I had to pick one for being the most interesting, it's Andreoli second most interesting, probably Bandy for me.
4: But none of the other ones really interest me. Yeah, I'd say Longy number one, Bandy number two. Okay. Um, that's about it for
3: that stuff. So let's get to the fun stuff, Keaton. Uh, the Mookie Betts trade wheel. So how this is going to yeah. work. We are going to fire up the trade wheel. I will spin it for Keaton. Keaton will spin it for me. Um, and then uh, who's going to come up with the trade? So if I spin it for you, am I coming up for the with the trade package? No. So, you're going to uh, come up
4: with the trade package. Yeah, you tell me what team I am and you're the Red Sox and I'm going to pitch you a trade.
3: Okay. Okay. So I am going to spin it for you first. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go.
4: Okay, you are the Padres. Ooh, nice. That's a good one. I like it. All right, so ring, ring, Mr. Bloom. Hello. I got a deal for you.
3: Ah, Preller, Have uh, have you called to not share with me your medicals? this time yes
4: could you please send me another anderson espinoza (laughs) preferably one that won't break this time (laughs) i would like to make a deal with you for mookie Betts. all right what are you offering i would like to i'm gonna be bold here and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna put luis patino on the market here i'm gonna i'm gonna make him available here for the for you Let's try Patino and Morehon with a little Hudson Potts. Does that that tickle your fancy? Ooh, we're we're very high on Patino, and
3: Morehon has had a pretty good season. So last year he had a pretty good year, and he's already major league ready. Yeah, I think we've got a deal here. I think that this uh, solves a lot of our issues. In um, the, the pitching staff, and a couple high upside guys. So, yeah, I think if I'm the Red Sox, I'm making that trade.
4: That's a great deal. That was uh, easier than I thought Yeah, was going to be. That is a tough one, though. If we are doing it the other way around and you are giving up Patino, are you? Uh, how hard is it for you to part with Patino for Mookie Betts? And this is, I guess, we're not assuming an extension, so this would be one year Mookie Betts.
3: Yeah, I think it all depends on how confident you are if you're the Padres in your ability to make some noise this year. If you think that the pieces are there um, and that that pushes you into wild card contention, um, then I, I think you do it. But I think that this deal is probably less likely um, because I don't think the Padres feel like they can – you know, jump the Dodgers, and I think there's so much competition with the NL East being as good as it is that they're probably unlikely
4: to offer somebody or multiple players with that much control. I agree. It's probably one that the Padres wouldn't necessarily do. If I guess maybe if there's a supplement for Patino, um, but I imagine the top four, maybe even five guys are definitely off the board for them. So... Yeah. Um, While well, I would uh, I th- I'm with you, I think I would be happy about that deal Coming back to the Red Sox But that seems like uh, Might be a bit on the homery side So Yeah, that was generous That was a very generous it first was. offer from you It was Alrighty, now I am the Red Sox And you sir Are Also the Padres <laughs> Do I want to spin <laughs> that again? Or do you want to take a crack at it?
3: No, you go. You spin that again. I <laughs> don't want to bark up that tree. All right, psych. You are the Dodgers. Ooh, interesting. The team that has no actual actual want to trade any of their prospects. Um, interesting. Um, so, if I'm the Dodgers, I really need this piece. Okay, Mookie Betts is going to finally push my team over the top from some team who just. It goes deep into the playoffs every year to a team that actually wins in the playoffs. So I'm not going to put either of my top guys on the market. I'm not going to put Lux or May on the market for you. But what I am willing to do is I'm willing to include Josiah Gray, who's probably my second best pitching prospect right now. And my recent draft pick, Michael Bush, a guy who can really swing it. Um, And just to make it a little bit sweeter for you, since you don't have a whole lot of depth in the major leagues um, or in the minor leagues, at catcher, Diego Cartaya, uh, my little low minors catcher, is also going to be headed your way. So a three-guy package, Gray, Bush, and Cartaya. Hmm. (laughs)
4: that is interesting a lot of guys that are not available right now it is an interesting package I think it's a tad light for one year Mookie how about you you send uh, Kiki Hernandez our way too if Kiki gets it done We'll do it. All right. Sounds great. Handshake. All right.
3: Yeah, that's an interesting deal. I actually would, as a Red Sox fan, if the team really feels like they can't contend this year they their intent on ten trading Mookie, I think they could do a lot worse than that type of a package um, because that does fill a lot of needs for the team.
4: Yeah, that, that's true. I know I've, I've seen a lot of... Um, Trade offers with the Dodgers, I mean, whether or not they're true or not, um, obviously is just a complete dart throw. But a lot have included Jock Peterson in Mm -hmm. various deals for not even just Mookie, but just in various trade offers that have been out there. Um, So that might be a piece that the Red Sox could get back and add to their outfield, which I don't think would be a bad thing. I mean, I don't think that Peterson is really – Going to be the guy that we all thought he was when he was in the minors. Um, he's probably shown enough in the majors to kind of tell us who he is, but he's got a ton of power in a bat that we're definitely play in Fenway Park.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. That's a that's a name that I've dropped on on Twitter as well as part of fake trade packages. I actually made a fake trade package on Twitter. I don't know if you caught that one for um, for the Dodgers and the Red Sox and. Here it is. I think I did, but I don't entirely remember. Uh, let's see. Ah, here it is. Uh, Red Sox send Mookie Betts, David Price, Christian Vasquez, and 25 million total. Dodgers send Jock Peterson, Will Smith, and Tony Gonzalez.
4: I think that actually seems light from the Dodgers side.
3: Light on their what they're sending? Yeah. Yeah. And that was what the consensus was. Uh, 175 people voted in this poll, and 65.7% of them um, said that the Red Sox would say no to that. So, yeah, I think, you know, if you're getting all those guys, you're probably having to include one more good piece. Um, I was probably underselling it a little bit. I think that maybe. You know, you, you take that foundation of Jock, Will Smith, and Tony Gonzalez, and maybe add still a guy like Josiah Gray to that. Or Michael Bush.
4: Yeah, that would make it a lot closer.
3: Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to the next one. I am going to spin the wheel for you. All right, you are the Cardinals.
4: Ooh, I like that one too. I'm getting some good ones. Yeah. Alrighty. Some ones that are actually fairly realistic, too. Yeah. Cardinals, Cardinals, Cardinals. You can have one of Harrison Bader or Tyler O'Neill, along with Ivan Herrera. And dude, boy, um, I might have backed myself in the corner here. <laughs> uh, Zach Thompson, Ivan Herrera, catcher. Zach Thompson, left-handed pitcher, and one of a major league-ready, young, controllable outfielder: uh, Harrison Bader or Tyler O'Neill. Yeah. So, um, thanks
3: for the call but i will not be doing that and when you're willing to talk about either carlson or gorman give me a call back thanks
4: (laughs) yeah i wouldn't be shocked if that's the the two names that the red sox are coming at with them and i would also not be shocked if st louis is like i'd rather not st louis's system is just not very good it's not. It's not as deep. Looking at it to try and make this deal, it was not as deep as I thought it was. Yeah, it's it's top-heavy, and
3: the Cardinals just don't seem to be a team that's really committed to making a big move like that. I could see them more being players for a guy like David Price than actually Price and Mookie Betts, because they just simply don't seem really interested. And the two outfielders that you mentioned, Bader and O'Neill, I mean, they're okay, but... They have a lot of warts as well. They're not really blue chippers in the same way that Dylan Carlson is.
4: So No, that's I, uh, fair. I wouldn't I was, do that. I was surprised that the Cardinals let Ozuna go. I mean, he seemed like someone that really fit their roster well. Well, they haven't yet. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. But, All right. Yeah, it just seems like an outfielder is someone that they're looking for, and they had a good one. And then if they're not willing to pay – Ozuna, they're probably not willing to pay up for Mookie in terms of assets and cash.
3: I would totally agree with that. They seem to have been very quiet like the Dodgers this year, and it's kind of infuriating if you're a fan of either the Cardinals or the Dodgers because both of them have clear paths to the division right in front of them and, you know, possibly more. It seems like either of these teams could really benefit from a Dave Dombrowski esque strategy mm. of going all in right
4: now. What if what if I offered you um, you send me Mookie and Dahlbach for Flaherty. Oh, Mookie and
3: Dahlbach for Flaherty? I'd do that in a second. I just don't think that there's any way they
2: do that. Deal. <laughs> yeah,
4: I was trying to make something up that would tempt the Cardinals to move Flaherty, but that's not gonna happen unless they are guaranteed Mookie long time long term. And even then there's still probably not gonna be enough pieces to add with them to get that done. But I was I was trying to just find something that yeah. That was something a bad that one. Worked. That wasn't gonna work. <laughs> Alright. Do 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 the wheel again. I, I need a team. Alright, you get the Texas Rangers.
3: Oh God. I was hoping <laughs> I wouldn't get this one. Um, Texas's system is really bad. All right, so I'm John Daniels, and I'm going to call you up right now. Uh, Hello, Mr. Bloom. Hello. Happy Hanukkah. Um, Thank you. It's one of my favorite holidays. Um, So we're interested in Mookie Betts because we're moving into our nice new stadium. Um, You obviously aren't going to be interested in anything off of my major league roster because it is poop. Um, But... um, the Joey Gallo fella. Since I've established a strong bargaining position right off the top of this call, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will offer you uh, the following guys for one year of Mookie bets um, because I think we could wow him with our offer. So we are going to send you Sam Huff, our recent draft pick, Cole Wint, who I know he didn't have a good year last year, but you know what? Cole wins a blue chipper and we really like him. And then Leodi Tavares. Really tooled up. Guy you can really dream on. What do you
4: say, pal? I appreciate your interest in our Mookie bets, but uh, we are going to decline. And uh, I don't think I see us as a match here unless... Uh, no, actually not even unless. I'm just... Uh, Tavares is interesting, but uh, I think the dreams, the Tavares dreams have been dashed some time ago. So we would like to hold on to Mookie and make a run at it for one more year.
3: Yeah, I hate this system. I hate the Texas system. It's just really bad. Their their organization to me right now is in a really bad spot. So I don't see this as a great fit. Um, Yeah, don't like it.
4: I don't like it one bit. There are some Major League pieces that are kind of interesting. I don't know if they're interesting enough to the point where I would trade Mookie for them, but Willie Calhoun I think is interesting, Nick Solak is interesting, and Ronald Guzman is interesting, but I don't think any of those guys really come together in any sort of way that would make me want to trade Mookie for them.
3: Yeah, I'd be super pissed if any of those guys was a headliner for Mookie. (laughs) All right, I'm going to do the wheel for you.
4: Give me the White Sox. You are the Angels. Oh, okay, that one's also interesting. Yeah. All right, well, right off the bat, as I'm pulling stuff up, I, uh, Mr. Bloom, I would like to extend an offer for Mr. Mookie Betts, uh, and one of those pieces, whether or not there would be the headliner or not, as I'm pulling stuff up, will be Matt Thais, who uh, is expendable for us now that we have a long-term option here at third base. Uh, he is a young fella who I know uh, this guy that does a podcast uh, about the Red Sox is a big fan of. Likes a lot. Who you could use at first base, which is where he played most of the minors. So there's, there's that. Uh, and then along with some other pieces, uh, let's let's go Patrick Sandoval and Brandon Marsh and Matt Thais. For a year of Mookie Betts And Brandon Marsh,
3: huh? Yeah It's an interesting package um, We like Brandon Marsh We're sort of lukewarm Over here on on Thace we, uh, we really like our guys Internally, we really like Javis We really like Dahlbeck And it's tough for us to see a way that you know He really ends up being an advantage Or uh, an upgrade over those guys Patrick Sandoval is a solid young player. I just think we might be looking for something a little bit more. I'll tell you what, if you uh, keep Mr. Sandoval and Marsh in the deal, and uh, maybe throw in, uh, let's see, someone I can dream on here a little bit. Uh, Let's see. Throw in Jordan Adams here, and I think we could uh, we could make some magic. Yeah, that works for me. I'm good with that. All right, so would you be happy with a March Marsh, Jordan Adams, Patrick
4: Sandoval package for Mookie Betts? Ooh, yeah, that. I'm not sure. I do like Marsh. Uh, I'm. I don't think, I think the Jordan-Adam dreams also have been dashed. Uh, He just hasn't been able to put it together in the minors yet. And it's been enough time that, I mean, he's still, everybody still talks about the tools, but he just hasn't put them all together yet. So I don't know how much longer we need to wait for him to do it. Um, And then, like you said, I think Sandoval is, uh, is an all right player there. So, I think, um, I think I'd be annoyed, but I'd get over it.
3: I would probably be okay with this return, but I wouldn't love it. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's a move that would make a ton of sense for the Angels, even if they get him for just a year. Um, because I do, too. Marsh could end up just being a guy, and Jordan Adams still has a lot of tools, but... Like you said, it's it's going to be a long-term project. And, and Sandoval is, you know, he's a fourth or fifth starter type. So there's not for a the Angels, ton of
4: risk. A year of Mookie, Trout, and Joe Adele on the outfield is wild.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I do think that a trade package for the Angels is very likely to include Justin
4: Upton. As part of that. Yeah, I think it would too. So... Angels
3: is an interesting team. I just think that it's probably a little unlikely because it's not the most natural fit of all the teams on this list.
4: Yeah, I think you're right.
2: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for
4: details. All right. Who am I? You are the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, I love this one. Um. This could go in
3: several different directions. So the the Reds are super interesting right now, um, especially because they're players in the Lindor sweepstakes, and they seem to be making some, some serious noise. All right, so Mr. Bloom, um, I am here to present you a trade package for Mookie Betts. Um, All right. I know, I know that what you're looking for um, is a replacement um, for Mookie in case he goes away. Then we are going to give you the perfect table setter for Mookie Betts. We are not going to screw around here. We're not going to mess with our minor league system. I am just going to straight up send you Nick Senzel straight up
4: for Mookie Betts. What do you say? <laughs> so as you were forming that initially, I was like, that's not going to be enough. But the more I think about it, the way that these owners covet control and he's major league ready and proven to be, like you said, pretty decent table setter at the top. That really just kind of slides in and becomes Mookie Betts. I get, well, in, in role, not in yeah. like production yeah. and player, but in role. It's a lot closer than I thought it would be initially. Yeah. Um, I think I'd need one one more kicker there. Uh, if you could also include... They have kind of interesting system. They do. Um, Tyler Callahan with Senzel. You got yourself a deal. We
3: like Callahan. Just drafted him. We want to see what we have. We'll tell you what. We know you have all in the rotation. We won't send you Callahan, but we'll send you Tony Santillian, who's like probably going to be a solid number three starter.
4: And yeah, he's in the upper that minors. Works. I
3: think that, that works for us. Okay. So that's a package that I think is really interesting and a team that's really interesting because I like the Reds to win that division – If they make just one more big upgrade Like seriously, the Cardinals Don't impress me all that much
4: And the Cubs are regressing
3: Yeah And the Reds have the best rotation In that division by far
4: Yeah, they surprisingly do Yeah It's a really interesting team And honestly, this could be A year where we don't see the Cubs Or Cardinals in the top two in the division It could be Milwaukee and Cincinnati Which would be pretty wild
3: yeah, it, it definitely could be. I mean, Milwaukee's done a bunch of under-the-radar moves, but all moves that could pay off pretty big. Yeah. All right. Let's see who you are next.
4: i going to do one more each. Sure. All righty. So who am I? You are I? the Mets. Okay. That's interesting as well. Um. Let's, let's headline this with Brandon Nimmo. Nice little Major League-ready piece. Young outfielder. Got some control on him. And we're going to pair him with... Um, No, it's probably... uh, You know what? Your choice of Brandon Nemo or Ahmed Rosario. And pair Mm. one of them with... Francisco Alvarez and Mark Vientos. Francisco Alvarez and Mark Vientos. Interesting.
1: Hmm.
3: Ah, man sure it is tough to pass on uh, the young infielder there um yeah I'll take the infielder if I'm if I'm offered that I, I that's the thing though I don't think that the the Mets would do
4: this they do probably you? wouldn't no I think uh, yeah Rosario think, is is a pretty think, solid piece there.
3: I think Rosario is part of the building blocks. I could definitely see it being um, – what's his name? The outfielder there. Nemo? Nemo. I could definitely see it being Nemo because he's had injury issues. So let's uh, do that.
4: I, so Nimo, Vientos, Alvarez. Do you do it? I don't.
3: Ultimately, I don't. I just don't think that comes close in any way, even in the best-case scenario, to replicating the value of Mookie Betts. It's hard for me to see a real fit with this system because, you know, Ronnie Mauricio is their top prospect. Brett Batty is their second best prospect. Both of those guys, you know, are positions where the Red Sox are already very strong. Um, they have some really interesting arms in the lower minors, but I don't think they, I don't think they are a perfect fit. I could see them being a much better fit for Jackie Bradley Jr. In a smaller trade, something like a JBJ for like, uh, I don't know, Jordan Humphreys or like a name that's way down in their pitcher list.
4: Yeah, I think you're right. Although if it were me, I think I'd actually do it, but I'm super high on Francisco Alvarez. uh, Probably to a disturbing point, even though the (laughs) ETA is out there. You love your catchers, man. I do. I do love those catchers. I know you you were I threw Vientos in there because I thought that that's your boy, so I thought that might be able to tempt you. Yeah, I do like Vientos, but just not for Mookie. Yeah. Alright, let me uh let me get my last team here. Alright, you are. Oh, we're ending on a great note. You are the Atlanta Braves. Oh
3: boy. Uh the Atlanta Braves are actually probably the most likely team to make this deal. So. Ring ring ring. Mr. Bloom. Hello? (laughs) Hello. We've been transported back to the 1920s. (laughs) We're both a newspaper man. Um, All right. So we want to bring Mookie home. Close to to home as possible. We know that Tennessee doesn't have a team yet, so uh, we want to bring him to Atlanta. And we have the pieces to do it. You know our system. We know you've been eyeing a few of our guys here. We are ready to trade you a package of Kyle Wright. He's got great stuff. Friday night starter for Vandy. We've got, also going back to you, William Contreras. And just because we wanna make sure you're feeling good about this deal, we're gonna throw in uh, Trey Riley right-hander
4: interesting we do like Kyle Wright we do we're big fans of his but you know Mookie leaves a big hole in the outfield so we're gonna need someone to play there so I think we've got a deal if you include Inciarte
3: Inciarte that's all it's gonna take sure yes. done Okay, I think that would be an absolute coup for Atlanta. If they can stay away from Pache, Waters, or Anderson, I think it's a no-brainer for them. I don't actually like Kyle Wright that much, and I hope the Red Sox don't either because he's a pitcher. He's not a pitcher. He's a thrower, um, and I'm not sure he's ever going to be anything but that. And I don't like the idea of banking on a catcher um, as part of the big return. If I'm the Red Sox, I'm, like, really holding out to get something better. Like, either a couple pitchers that I like who I think have a better feel for pitching or Drew Waters or something. You know, I know they're not trading Pache, but I don't know. I got to hold out.
4: Yeah, I think there's definitely a fit in some sort of fashion here. Um. I like Ian Anderson better than Kyle Wright. I actually like Ian Anderson better than even their young uh, arms that are in the majors. Uh, I think Anderson has a chance to be better than Soroka. A lot of people are down on Anderson. I'm not entirely sure why, but I love everything about him. I Um, love him
3: too. I ranked him super high in our uh,
4: pitcher rankings for Dynasty Euro. So I think you're right. I think as the Red Sox, they're probably going to push for and I guess I probably in our fake trade should have done that as well. But I was actually more concerned with just getting Andrew Nciarte as part of the deal because I am also super high on our Nciarte. Um, but if they could get, I mean, yeah, you're right, they're probably not moving Pache, but Drew Waters and Ian Anderson for those two, I, I actually would probably just do it for those two. I don't think anything else.
3: Yeah, I mean, if it it was just straight up Mookie for Ian Anderson and I'm the Red Sox and I don't think I can resign him, I would do that.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, The two teams that we didn't do that we had on the list are Philly and uh, the White Sox, which are both interesting teams um, that could potentially be in there. And there's, you know, a number of other teams that could potentially be involved. But, you know, I think we, uh, we hit on a bunch of good ones here.
4: Yeah, that was fun. Fun little yeah. exercise.
3: Yeah, that was fun. All right, off to the next thing. So we decided since we're not going to be with you, um, you know, until after the new year that we would make some New Year's resolutions for the Red Sox. So, Keaton, do you want to kick it off? Do you want me to kick it off? Sure, I'll kick it off.
4: Uh, My first resolution is find long-term solutions to the right side of the infield. Whether that's internal or external, um, figure it out. Because right now, both of those are major question marks. Uh, And I would like them to figure it out and stick to it. So if that's Chavis at second and Dahlbuk at first, or even the other way around. I know you've mentioned Dahlbuk might be able to play some second. Just get them there. Commit to them and their development at those positions and then start to let it play out. That's what I would like to see.
3: So let me throw a question at you here. Sure. I personally believe the long-term first baseman for the Red Sox is Tristan Um, Do you just play Chavis there or Dahlbeck there until he's ready, or do you go out and try and find a stop cap? Or do you look to trade Casas for somebody on the market who you think is a solution at first base?
4: Okay, that is an interesting question. Um, yeah, I guess Casas is probably the long term solution at first, but he's still a ways away. Well, I guess what is long t- term? I guess in my mind, I'm thinking like three to four years.
3: Yeah, so. So would probably It uh, might be
4: Casas on the back end of that. Yeah. So maybe I am thinking more of just kind of stopgaps mm-hmm. in general uh, for that, but. Um, I don't think I would trade Casas because I think he's the right now um, really the only one in the farm system that has really high upside. Uh, And if I could avoid doing it, I mean, it's in comparison the Red Sox farm system isn't that great compared to others. So it's not like we're holding on to like a top 10 prospect league wide, but I just think it's a position that the Red Sox need to fill. And he has the highest upside of anybody in their minors. So if, I couldn't help it. I don't think I really want to, but I don't think the state of the Red Sox farm system is such that I don't think anybody would really be off limits. So if he helps me be uh, a high quality team in a trade, get some high quality assets for the next three to four years, I think I probably would move him, Uh, but I would prefer not to. Yeah. But I just want to see guys. I think like, Part of what messed with Swihart was he was moved around constantly. And I think that's gotten other players in the Red Sox system and kind of messed with them. If they're not someone who can handle that kind of role. And I I feel like Chavis probably is. But I think it's, I mean, like we talked about with the bullpen, like everything in the rest of the bullpen figures itself out. And it becomes better when you have a closer and everyone knows their roles. I think the same is true for the batting order. So I'd like to see just people get on the right side of the infield and that be their role for a few years rather than continue to just kind of cycle guys in because they're who we have on the 26, now 26-man 26 roster.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm completely happy uh, staying internal with first in first base at least. Uh, I, I'm a little bit more comfortable with going outside for, for second base, but first base, like... Some combination of of Dahlbeck and Javis is 100% fine for me until Casas is ready. Especially considering the market out there.
4: Yeah, that's definitely a fair stance to take.
3: Yeah. All right, my first one is to get under the first level of the luxury tax. Um, I think the Red Sox just uh, feel like they need to do this and... I would like them not to dance around the issue if they really feel like this is going to impact them to the tune of like 80 to 90 million dollars and make them more financially healthy in a way that's going to allow Bloom to kind of fulfill his vision and compete at the, the level that he's expecting to compete at then I don't want them to dance around it and I want them to actually go
4: and do it. Yeah I'm, I'm on board with you as much as I think that the I'm not, I still still don't understand what the actual penalty is, but if they're that afraid of it, then you're you're right. I just like to see them dive in and do it and not kind of mess around with it. There's already so much uncertainty going into this year that I feel like may as well rip the bandaid off, you know? Right. Exactly. And that actually leads into my second one, because my second resolution for the Red Sox is to find starting pitching depth anywhere because right now they're not in a situation where uh i'm not expecting like if sale if price is still here if one of them goes down the next man up is such a significant drop that they're not going to be able to maintain the same level of like of play and baseball that they were Now i'm not expecting someone to like their spot start or whatever to be chris sale or david price but somebody who can step in and just tread water until they're back they don't even have that option no it's terrible (laughs) yeah they need to have some plan if a pitcher gets hurt to maintain a starting rotation until that pitcher comes back and they just don't have that option internally or in the bullpen anywhere it's just they've got the five they've got and that isn't even all that exciting
3: yeah, and part of the problem here is just that the, the upper minors pitching that is part of the 40-man roster right now is just not exciting. It's guys like Schweren and Maza, who we talked about, Velasquez, Weber, Denny Reyes, who sucks, in my opinion, Kyle Hart. Sorry if you're listening to this, Denny Reyes. It's not your fault. <laughs> um, Brian Johnson, um, who they snuck through. I mean, we all know he's not the answer. Tanner Houck is interesting. if He could stay as a starter. And then Brian Mata um, and Thad Ward are at, projected to be at A this year, and those guys are really interesting. But, like, you know, that's what you're looking at because Major League depth pieces aren't going to sign with the Red Sox when they don't have a clear role. So it's really, like, you need to rely on your system for pitching depth because starters don't want to sign with teams where they're not going to be starting, you know? That's nope. The, that's the hard part about depth, man, is... These guys want to show show what they can do. Yeah. So it's going to have to be developed. All right. My next one is uh, for the Red Sox to sign and or trade for good guys. And what I mean by this is um, I personally believe that it matters a lot to the chemistry of your clubhouse and your team kind of the quality of people that you bring into it um and i think that maybe the best example of this was the 2013 red sox with you know guys like victorino and napoli and you ross. know you yeah, have ross and just like amazing human beings in in addition to you know being good baseball players and i think that sometimes that's kind of forgotten about and um I would love to see the Red Sox get some more likable guys of all different skill levels. Obviously, baseball skill is very important, but I think that uh, a team that really likes each other and supports each other is also going to account for a a few wins here and there. And I don't know exactly how many, and if I knew that, I'd be employed by a Major League Baseball team right now. Um, But I do feel like it's worth a whole lot more than what our cold, dead-hearted analysts give it credit for.
4: <laughs> I completely agree with you. I mean, a team of literally all those guys together and Dave Ortiz won a World Series. So I don't think you can really underestimate the, the impact that those glue guys have on a squad. Now, having said that, I believe the Red Sox are letting two of those guys go. So would you bring back either of Moreland or Holt because of their impact to the rest of the roster? I would strongly consider bringing back Moreland. Um, with Holt,
3: I think they kind of made their bed when they signed Peraza, and I don't see him yeah, as a great I fit think so too. Uh, on the roster. But I absolutely could see a scenario where they allow Dahlbeck to continue to develop and uh, just play Chavis at second and you know bring back Moreland. Um,
4: I could definitely see that working with this roster. Yeah, I could too. I would be I think they usually end up finding one or two of those guys in the process so maybe it's but like I said it's hard to diagnose so I don't think we would we would realize it until I think I'm gonna get to the season but I think team team's got to have those guys to just kind of form the culture there. So I think one good thing that they have going for them is Cora himself is one of those guys. Mm-hmm. That's a great start.
3: Yes and it'll be nice if they can ship out David Price.
4: Yes, get the negativity out there as well as bring in the positivity.
3: Yes, yes, get rid of, uh, rid the clubhouse of its demons. It's it's Fair. great
4: teammates, as uh, David Price will love to tell you. Yeah. All right, my third is sign Devers to an extension. Now, team-friendly extensions for guys under team control were all the rage last year. Uh, there haven't been any. Actually, I take that back. There's been one with Tyler White in Seattle. Really surprised that those have kind of it took one season for them to go out of fashion. I'm not entirely sure what the reasoning is, but I would love to see the Red Sox do that with Devers. Um, buy out the rest of his team control years, which is four. I would even kind of go beyond that. Maybe give him like a six or a seven and offer him up money to bridge the gap through arbitration, arbitration. So maybe you could get him for like six and seventy, six and 80, and he'd be okay with that which would be incredibly team-friendly, and you would have Devers and Bogarts locked up long-term as the core of your roster.
3: I love the idea. I would offer Devers um, basically the same deal as I gave Xander.
4: Yeah, I'd be fine with that too.
3: Yeah, and I think you, you end up getting an absolute steal for that because Devers is a guy that if, if I'm an organization like the Red Sox, I want to lock him up for like the first six to eight years of his career because with the body risks for him, I'm not sure I really want to be on the back end of um, trying to invest in him at the end of his arbitration years. Um, I think you're going to get, you know, some strong seasons from him, but then if he doesn't figure out the body concerns, you know, even the early part of his 30s could be kind of a struggle.
4: Yeah, and right now a six-year deal would take him – through his age 28 season so then he would be a free agent at 29 and that might be the time whereas if you're the red sox that you would feel okay with letting him go
3: yeah yeah i totally agree i think that's a great idea um for my third and final one uh just it's continuing to invest and utilize the team's minor leaguers um we've talked a little bit about you know, me being okay with the right side of the infield being internal candidates. Um, I think that they, if Bloom is serious about getting under that first luxury tax threshold, um, he needs to really utilize those minor leaguers and continue to add to the system and add to the roster around the fringes the way that he's been doing um, and just draft well. And uh, I think that he's probably the best person to come in and kind of do that and utilize these guys the way that they need to be used and kind of get the most out of them. So I'd like to see
4: that. And I think it'd be refreshing to see. I agree. And I think they're, they've been on the right track here the past season or so with the minor leaguers. um, I don't think, I mean, there wasn't much that they could do to really deal from the farm. Not a lot that people would be interested in, but it was smart to not do any of that last year. Um, And they're far enough removed from the basically two years of not being able to sign any guys internationally that they can trust in their development of the guys that are there. So I like it. All right. And of course, as always, more prospects. Yay, we love prospects. We do. All right, let's
3: get to our two listener questions tonight. A little bit light on questions because, frankly, the Red Sox been a little bit light on interesting content lately. Um, but we have two. We have one from Drew Andre and one from Mike Toomey. Drew Andre says, Does a player's salary affect the cap if he is traded in the season? Or how does.
4: Huh? You said. How, how does, yes.
3: Yeah.
4: How does a player's salary affect the cap if he is traded in the season? Yeah. So it would be prorated. Uh, Both the luxury tax penalty and the base salary would be prorated based on how much time the player would actually be playing for his new team. So if they join their new team at the exact midway point, they would be on the hook for 50% of the luxury tax hit and 50% of the real dollars. Yes, that is my understanding as well. Uh, Mike Toomey has our next
3: question. He says, do you think the MLB applied any pressure on Boris to make him move the offseason along faster? Seems odd that the past few years have dragged into March, but this year's dominoes
4: fell in order during the meetings. I don't Uh, think Boris had barely anything to do with it. If we're handing out a a blame pie, I would say maybe 10% or less was due to boris and his negotiation tactics versus teams just being stingy jerks and wanting to drive down the cost of players salary which they for the first time ever were uh, effective at doing and the uh the one-year qualifying offer salary went down for the first time ever because they were able to finally manipulate the market enough to do it and so now they're they're going hog wild on signing guys this year I don't think Boris's shadow in the market really had anything to do with it at all. I think it was all internally from MLB. Maybe not MLB specifically, but the owners themselves 100%.
3: Yeah, I I think it has a lot to do with how the performance of the players that were signed late um, kind of affected the seasons that they had. And we talked about on this show, how long it took guys like Keiko to get going and how long um, it took Kimbrell. I mean, Kimbrell really didn't look normal all season. Um, It's bad business for the team and the player to sign those contracts so late. Um, You're just, you're not getting the best version of the player when you're pushing off the preparation and leaving so much uncertainty. So, I think uh, everybody's kind of reacting to that. And also baseball is just incredibly competitive right now. I think that there's a lot that's been made about – I hear this on MLB uh, TV um, all the time and MLB Network and all that crap, like um, MLB Radio or whatever. It's I don't know what it's called, but the uh, Sirius XM channel. But everybody's always saying like, there's this extreme haves and have-nots in baseball right now, but I do feel like when I look around, I mean, some of these divisions are as competitive as I can remember them. Um, the AL East is pretty damn competitive. Um, the NL has like every single division is pretty damn competitive. I think teams are really trying to do work, and we're seeing it with teams like the Brewers and the Reds and you know, Angels. all these teams – yeah, Angels, I mean, that might not have been players for for certain guys in the past are now in on them. The Twins are, you know, trying to sign guys. I mean, there's just a lot, a lot of teams working. And then we just, we saw over the, the course of the last decade, I mean, the Giants won three and the Sox won two. But, you know, a lot of other teams won World Series this past decade as well. So I feel like everybody has a shot um, right now. And it's. Baseball's pretty great for that. So, yeah. I, th- I think that's why. I
4: would agree if there was any pressure applied by Major League Baseball, I think that it would have been applied to the teams and not wanting to go through another offseason like the two previous years and seeing how much it's killed interest in the game and how much how just annoying it's been to writers and fans and everybody who consumes the sport together. But given the way that Menfried has reacted to pretty much anything involving baseball, I would be shocked if that were the case and he applied any pressure at all.
3: Yeah, it is really bad for the game when that happens because you want to keep the momentum, Um, especially in years where it's a great World Series. Like this one was pretty good, and there have been some pretty good ones recently. But, you know, baseball wants to stay in the spotlight. And without a hot stove last year, was pretty easy for people to tune out Um, so I'm more engaged this year that's for sure same Um, that's the show we do hope you enjoyed the show Um, and I don't know I don't have anything else Keaton anything before we get out of here nope alright follow us subscribe to the show follow us on twitter you can follow me at @devjake. you can follow Keaton at the spoken keats You can follow the Over the Monster podcast um, and the Over the Monster site at at Over the Monster. And uh, stay tuned with us. We'll be with you in a couple weeks. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. uh, Happy Holidays, everybody. Enjoy.